0: Good morning, friends. It is so good to be back together here with you at Pleasant Street. I think we have a whole lot of people in Florida and other places this week, but that's, that's great. Maybe some of them are with us online. If you're there or if you're at home today for some reason, we welcome you. We're just glad to be together in one way or another to worship our God. The good news is that I have no announcements today, and so let's go ahead and stand for the call to worship. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving, for the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. We bow down worship the Lord our for He is our God, we Open our hearts to hear you, Lord, and visit us through your Holy Spirit. Let celebrate our faith. Amen. We sing.
1: Commandment for us. You shall not make for yourself an idol of anything heaven above or on earth
2: beneath. On earth Obeying this command means that we should not make any image of God or worship God other than how God is revealed in His Word. Friends, God speaks and moves and saves, but we continually
3: turn to idols that cannot.
2: Lord God, we are prone to idolize.
3: We look at that which is above us, the corner office, the billboard, the leader, and call them God, but they cannot speak.
2: Lord God, we are prone to idolize. We look to that which is beside us, our social network, social change, possessions, and call them God, but they cannot move. Lord God, we are prone
1: we look at the work of our hands and call it God, but it cannot save us.
2: Lord, you may bless us, you preachers who wish of something worthy. We confess to you that our need is poor. Take away our sins and bless us with your riches. Lord, you are hear our great. Amen.
1: Brothers and sisters, receive the good news of the Gospel. Hebrews reminds us of the great high priest, Jesus. Jesus is able to empathize with our weakness because he was tempted in all the ways that we are, but he did not sin. Because of Jesus' life of obedience and faithful sacrifice, we find God's mercy and grace when we need it. In Christ we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. Lord, us
2: Lord, send your Spirit that we might worship you in spirit and in truth. Please silently reflect on this second command.
1: The peace of Christ be with you. You may be seated.
2: Shall all the kids Street kids come forward? People of God, what is our prayer?
4: Love and serve Jesus. Good morning, everyone. My name is Thalia Toll, and I'm an elder here at Pleasant Street. And I just want to say on a personal note that you have been praying for my husband Brian over the last few weeks, and just wanted to let you know that he's doing very well. and um, I know I speak on lots of people on the behalf that uh, to have your prayers with us is so important and so meaningful and uh, so appreciated. I would like to lead us in a congregational prayer this morning, and let's bow our heads together. Sovereign God, we come before you today with songs of worship and hymns of praise. We thank you for a day of Sabbath where we can gather as your people, both in person and online. Thank you that we can come to you in prayer. As we walk through this time of Lent, help us to focus on your gift of salvation. May this time that is leading to Easter Sunday Remind us of how much you love us. May it remind us of what you sacrificed for us through the death of your son on a cross. May it remind us that through a risen Jesus, we became your people, your adopted sons and daughters. Lord, we pray for our world today. We pray for the war and conflict between Ukraine and Russia. Lord, we pray that peace will be restored to this area. We pray that violence and destruction will cease. We pray that you will grant wisdom to world leaders to effectively stop evil. We pray for your protection on so many innocent victims and for protection on families that are now separated and seeking refuge in other countries. And we pray for your church in Ukraine and in Russia. May they feel your presence, Lord. May they be a light even in the darkest of times. Lord, we know that you are in control and that your light will shine forth. Lord, we pray for our church family today. We thank you for healing and pray for continued healing for Carol L., for Hank and Bev E., for Leanne L., for Karen S., for Brian T., and for Donna W. Lord, we mourn with Keith and Naomi in the loss of Keith's mom, Irene, this week, and we also pray for the loss that Brett B. has in the loss of an aunt. We pray that they will feel your presence, Lord. They will feel your comfort and your peace. And we pray for those still in mourning from recent loss. May you also grant them your peace and comfort. Lord, we pray for those who feel alone and isolated, for those who feel anxious and depressed. We pray for those struggling with various forms of addiction. When things seem at their darkest, may they turn to you, Lord, and may they trust in you and find refuge in you. We thank you for the many ministries of our church and community and pray for your blessing on them, Lord. Today we have a second offering to support the Calvinist Cadet Corps. We thank you for the ministry they provide to boys in our church and community. Thank you for providing godly men to mentor them and share Christ's love with them. We lift up Pastor Matthew and his family before you today, Lord. We thank you for them as they are enjoying some time away on vacation and to be with family We pray that they may be refreshed and restored, and we pray that you will grant them safety as they travel. We pray for traveling mercies for many families that are away this week with school being on vacation as well. Lord, we thank you that Pastor Bill is with us today. As we turn to your word and message this morning, we pray for a blessing on Pastor Bill. May you speak to us through his words. Open our hearts and our minds to what you want us to hear, and may we know you better through this message. We thank you for being our God. We thank you for claiming us as your own. You are our God who was, who is, and who is to come. We thank you for reigning in your kingdom today, and we look forward with great anticipation and joy to the kingdom that is to come. All this we pray through the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning.
5: morning. The Lord be with you. Uh, This morning's reading is going to be from Matthew 6, starting at verse 19 in the New International Version. Let's begin. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord.
0: I think most of you know me. My name is Bill Viss. I'm a member of the congregation, and I look forward to sharing uh, this lesson with you today. I have. Uh, I, I, I'm working my way through it it's a series, I don't know if we're going to, uh, I'll use all of them or if they'll even invite me back that often. I have seven in the series called If Only. If only I could change something that is damaging me, is damaging my life, is damaging my relationships. If only I could live the way that God calls me to live in the Bible. The first one was if only I could genuinely forgive people. And for those who were here, you'll remember, I likened nursing a grudge and just you know enjoying being angry like drinking poison and expecting it to kill the other person. It doesn't work that way. The only person we damage when we refuse to forgive is ultimately ourselves and our relationships and our health. And then the, uh, and suddenly I'm blanking, <laughs> um, uh, what was the last one? That's embarrassing. Uh, you think you're the only ones who don't remember my sermons the next week? <laughs> uh, doesn't matter. Um, today we're going to talk about. It'll come back to me about three minutes from now. Uh, if only, if only I could stop worrying. And each of these messages kind of has the, the same three piece. Oh, I know what the last one was. I told you couldn't me. If only I could control my thoughts. And I, I talked about that stinking thinking where we, we, we meander down paths and we see everything negative and we, we moan about everything and, and I talked about how we need to build in a godly redirect switch. Like on the internet I type in B of B of A and I get Bank of America, it redirects to a different site. When we find ourselves thinking negatively, we just do what God says, you know, whatever is good and pure and, and trustworthy and so forth, think about such things and just make it a habit to switch gears. So today is about worrying, and each of these has a basic three-part pattern. First, a really quick note on what's going to damage us if we don't change this, uh, what good it will do if we do change it, and then finally, most importantly, so what does God say about how actually to change things? How do, how do we... How do we manage to turn the switch from stinking thinking or from um, for lack of forgiveness and stop worrying, stop fretting, stop being anxious? And, and I'm going to use those words interchangeably this morning. I, there are so many people they trouble, they 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 struggle with an incessant anxiety syndrome where where they're always nervous and they're always. Concerned and they're always wondering what's going to happen next and everything is negative and they look to the future and all they see is black Call it fretting or worrying or anxiety. It's that syndrome whereby No joy comes in our lives and and the problems you get when you allow worry and anxiety to To rule your life and control your your mind First of all, you'll get health problems the old English word for worry is a word that meant to choke. And there was a choking quality about, about worry. It yeah, Well known, I mean, the studies are clear. If you're always anxious and worried and wondering what's going to happen next, it raises your blood pressure, it causes ulcers, it, it shortens your life. Uh, it's one of the bad things that happens if we don't figure out how to control this. The other thing about worry that... Happens is that it destroys our ability to enjoy life, in the moment and and in the opportunity that that is around us and the blessings that we have. There's an old cliche that that says worry doesn't just remove years from your life; it removes um, life from your years. Prevents us from getting the the awareness that God is with us and. And his blessings fill us. I'm looking forward to warm summer days, even warm spring days tomorrow already. I mean, I'm looking forward to sunshine. And but what happens when worry fills your heart and your mind is you'll be outside and it's a gorgeous day. It's 75 and the humidity is low, and there's just a light breeze and and there's no clouds. And the birds are chirping, and you don't notice any of it. Because all you can think about what might happen tomorrow or what might not happen today, and it it, it takes the joy out of life. And then Corey Penboom said, Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but it empties today of its strength. And, and the worst thing about allowing worry to consume us and control us is it's a sin. I mean, very very clearly a sin. Jesus says that when we allow worry to fill our lives, when we worry about what we will eat and what we will drink and what we will wear, it's a declaration that we don't trust God to take care of us. That we trust only ourselves and we aren't sure that we're going to be able to handle it. And so, so when we allow worry to be the controlling factor of our life, we're saying to God, I don't believe when you tell me that you will provide and so, so it, it's a sin, it takes joy out of our lives, it'll shorten our lives, it'll create physical problems, but, but if we hear God speak in his word, which I hope you will this morning, and we begin to take the steps that we have to take to be, turn this syndrome around, and I will just preface this rest of it by saying, not all of you have an issue with this, but I'm certain some of you do. That's the nature of all of them. Not all of you had an issue with forgiveness from two times ago, but some of you did, and some of you probably still do. And not all of you have minds that run uncontrolled into paths of ugliness and sin and the people who you know the people who every reference they hear immediately it has a sexual connotation. That that kind of you know where all you see is the the dark and the sinful, but some of you do. And in this case, not all of you struggle with anxiety and worry, but I am sure that some of you do. And if you can control that, um, it, w- it will give us to focus on what's really important. We'll learn to focus that worry often gives small things big shadows, and we won't, don't want the small things to cast a big shadow over our life. In verse 25, it said, Therefore I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Much of what we are anxious about and worry about and fret about are really so insignificant things. The uh, Time magazine, some years ago already, but there was an article about a sergeant who had been wounded in battle and his throat had been hit by a, a shell fragment and they had to uh, put a tracheotomy in so he could breathe, and he, and he couldn't speak, and, and he awoke in the hospital with a doctor standing over him, and he couldn't say anything, and so he asked for a board, and he wrote, will I live? And the doctor said, oh yeah, you'll live, and he said, will I be able to talk again? And the doctor said, yes, it'll take a little while, but you'll be talking again, and he said, well then what am I so worried about? That, that's kind of the principle we're talking about here. When, when we get the Priority straight, and we see what's really important, then some of what we worry about, not everything perhaps, but much of what we worry about is really such kind of trivial passing concerns. Uh, another thing that will happen is that we will recognize the provision of God. In verse 30, if, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? couple things. Number one, much of what we worry about is, in fact, quite trivial. But I think even worse, much of what we worry about never happens. And I mentioned it in the little blurb that we put in the bulletin, but I've been been listening to people, I've been talking to people, I'm looking on social media, and, and I will tell you that there are many, many people In this country and in this world right now who are just anxious just wrapped tight just worried that putin's going to drop the big one and we're going to go nuclear well ask you two things number one how likely is that to happen and the answer is possible certainly possible likely Probably not. But number two, how likely is it that you're worrying about it's going to change anything one way or the other? Yeah. What is the chance that you spend all of your time thinking about, oh, what happens? In oh, what am I going to do? Well, I remember when I was in elementary school back in the 50s, and that shows how old I am, but back in the 50s and early 60s, we would do drills, where the alarm would go off and we'd all duck under our desks, like somehow that was going to protect us. What good did it do? I mean, when when um, when we stop worrying about the stuff that isn't all that important, we stop fretting about the stuff that may not and likely is never going to happen. We can begin to see how God's provision is, in fact, present. Um, I don't see anybody here who didn't have clothes to put on to come to church. Thank goodness. Um, I suspect that if anybody is here who didn't have something for breakfast, it was by choice and not by necessity. Most of you drove here. Anybody out in the cold last night? huddled under a bridge with a blanket around you and had to sleep in that? The reality is that God has given us so much. And instead of saying, thank you, Lord, for your rich provision, when we allow anxiety and worry to rule our lives, it becomes, oh God, what are we going to do? And so... The most important part of this is, what does the Bible say? If you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with worry, if you allow your life to be weighed down with all the negative possibilities that just might someday happen. Well, the first thing is to check your priorities. It was at the very beginning of the passage we just read where Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, worry is a signal that something isn't right in our priorities. It, it's, it's a signal that we have taken something other than our God and raised that something to the highest place. It's a form of idolatry. We we talked about idolatry in the second commandment today. It was a perfect fit because but When we take something other than God and put that something on the throne, then we begin to worry about it because it becomes the ultimate good. And so, are you really, really anxious and concerned about if you're going to be able to retire because, my goodness, my 401k is down 8% this year? And it probably is. Well, is... Money, your number one priority? Because if that is consuming your life, it is suggesting, to me at least, that that somehow money is the prime objective. Are are, are you worried that you won't get that promotion that you've applied for and it consumes you and you just don't, you, you can't even sleep because what if they don't give it to me? Well, is job status the most important thing in your life? We worry about the things we're not sure of. We, and, and we need to make the effort to rethink our priorities. And, and remember that Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. Seek first God's righteousness. Make that your priority. And it will take some of the other stuff that we spend so much time thinking about, and it will put it in its place. So that's the first step, is make sure that God is on the throne. And the second step is to check your prayer life. Because if worry is a signal that something isn't right in your priorities, it's probably also a signal that something isn't right in your relationship to and communication with our God. In Philippians, the apostle writes, do not be anxious about anything. Anxiety, another form of worry, right? Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request." to God. When we go to God and we present our concerns, and I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't plan and that we shouldn't save for retirement, and I mean all those things are just part of life. It's when we allow them to consume us and take number 1 that we have a problem. And and so if you're 63 and you had hoped to retire in 2 years and you're looking at your portfolio And you're saying, I'm not sure I'm not going to have to go until 70 now, the way things have been hit this year. Nothing wrong with going to God and saying, Lord, I really think that my life plan, which you approve of, would be to be able to step out of this rat race in about two years, but quite honestly i'm not sure i'm going to be able to pay my mortgage if if this continues in this direction lord we we pray for the markets and we ask that that you would work in such a way in this world to promote peace and bring prosperity not just for me and us in this country but for all the people of this world that's a prayer it's not a fretting it's not a worry it's saying god i can't change this i don't have any control over these markets but you do and so lord i lay it in your hands And I will trust your provision. A professional political fundraiser said that the reason many people never give to a political campaign is because they are never asked. And and we see that same dynamic here with with the Apostle saying, whatever there is in your life, big, small, in between, in all things, bring your prayers and supplication with thanksgiving to your God. Ask, lay it before him, present your request to God. We have a tendency to want to handle what we think of as the little things on our own and only bother God with the big stuff. But there are a couple of problems with that kind of thinking, that we don't want to bother God with the small, the big stuff, or we only want to bother God with the big stuff, and we don't want to bother him with the small stuff. And the first is simply that it's all small stuff to him to begin with, right? It's What we call big stuff, he says... Really? And then secondly, uh, if we don't let God help us through the day-to-day problems, why would we trust that he'll actually help us handle what we see as the big stuff? There are all kinds of reasons. Some people people would think it's always trivial to say, Lord, I've been driving around not here in you're in White-ins, but Let's say you're in the heart of Boston and you're on your way to a job interview that's pretty important to you and, and you just can't find any place to put your car. Is it wrong to just quietly in your heart as you're driving saying, Lord, please give me a spot. I've only got 15 minutes to get to this interview. No, it's not wrong. It doesn't guarantee that a spot's going to open up. I you know, Prayer is not a magic wand where you go abracadabra. But God is willing to take any request and he will provide in his way. Jesus, or Peter said, I'm sorry, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. How do you deal with worry? Give it over to God. And so set your priorities. Make sure that God is on the throne and not your money or not your family or not your schooling or not your job. Lay it in God's lap and trust that he will help you handle it but then the third is also important, and that is check your practices. Check how you live. Check what you're doing about it. Ask yourself, Dale Carnegie said, three things when you have a problem. He said, ask yourself what the worst thing is that can happen. And prepare yourself in case it does. Yeah. Yeah. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. You've all heard something like that. But then he said there's an important third step if you've got an anxiety or worry problem. Don't just ask, what's the worst that might happen, and steal yourself in case it does. But he said, number three, calmly proceed to improve on that worst. And that third step is important. Take action. Do something to avoid the worst that might happen. The key is taking action. So, um... Doing nothing fertilizes anxiety. If, if you just sit there and you worry and and you say the worst that could happen is truly awful. An example that comes to mind briefly is you're, um, you know, you're you're waiting for the test results, and the doctor's taking a biopsy and you're wondering what's going to come back. Well, the worst that can happen is they come back and you say you've got stage 4 cancer and I give you three months to live, right? That's that's a pretty awful prospect. But if you just stew on that and have sleepless nights and drink yourself to sleep because you can't handle the thought of that possibility, that's doing no good. Instead, begin to practice the kind of practices that, that would make it more likely that if you get a... Troublesome diagnosis, you'll be able to fight it. Get good night's sleep and, and pray to God and try to develop new life habits. You've been smoking, quit smoking, all that kind of thing. But do something, whatever it is, no matter how small, to try to make the worst not as bad. Um, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me. So whatever you've heard, or listened to, or been taught, or seen me doing, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The Put it, put it into practice is a key step into the God of peace. Damping the worry. The God of peace. Calming your heart, and your soul, and your mind. The key phrase... Put it into practice. There's a correlation between worry and prayer, but there's also a correlation between worry and action. And if we just sit back and allow ourselves to sit in our minds and envision the worst and then begin to expect the worst and then begin to be sure of the worst, it will just increase the anxiety and the damage it brings. Worry is a signal that something isn't right. Something in God's plan isn't right in your plan. You know God never promised us a life without sorrow or rain or struggles or pain. He did promise us that we can live without worry. So when worry, anxiety, that overwhelming sense that life is going bad begins to happen, ask yourself who's on my throne? What's on my throne? Is God on my throne? Have I gone to God and said, Lord, I can't do this myself. I would like to. We all like to be self-reliant, but I can't. And, and so, Lord, I need you, and I trust that you will help take care of it. And then figure out what small steps, whatever they are, you can take to avoid the worst. And I'll give one last example, and we'll close. Uh, your marriage is dicey. It's rocky. It's, there, there, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of complaining. There, there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of disagreement. It seems like you cannot be on the same page at all. And you are scared to death that this is heading to divorce. So how do you address it? Well, number one, you ask where is God in this picture? Have... Have we, have, we been, have, we, have we pursued disciplines together? Are we, are we praying together? Are we reading scripture together? Are, are, we, are, are we trusting God? And then step two is to say, well, I will trust God. And, and you, you pray about it. But just saying, I'm going to make God number one. I'm going to pray to him and he'll take care of it. You've got to take that action step as well. And it might be agreeing to go to marriage counseling. It might be sitting with the pastor and and talking through, if it's not, I mean marriage, full disclosure, very, very few pastors, including me, were ever trained in critical care counseling. And so if your marriage is really shaky, the pastor may be someone you can ask to come in and pray with you, but you need a professional. And then you begin to take those steps and and you say, well, what can I do? Well, maybe, maybe, I've been, maybe I've been too critical of her. I've been too critical of him. I'm going I'm I'm to begin at least a little bit to control my tongue. And then you begin to take tiny steps, and what happens is as you allow God to work, and you work with him, the opportunity to remend this marriage improves. The truth is that some of us hang on to worry, anxiety, like a dear and precious friend, in the same way some of us like to hang on to grudges. But when we hang on to grudges, when we hang on to stinking thinking, the, the negative thought, the, 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 the looking at porn, the trusting in alcohol, whatever it is that's controlling our lives and our thoughts, when we allow worry to consume us, our relationship with God, our relationship with each other will be damaged. May God help us all, shall we pray? Almighty God, there are definitely times that I worry about stupid stuff. Little stuff. Petty stuff. Most of us do. There are other times that we worry about really, really big stuff. Dangerous stuff. But stuff that we can have no impact on. And our worry accomplishes nothing but damage. Help us to see that you are On the throne and this world does belong to you and you are still in control and we can cast all of our anxieties on you because you care for us help us to see that as we rest and trust in you and we we see you as the great God of this universe whom we adore and we worship then by Your grace and Your Spirit, You will direct us in directions that will ease our hearts and soothe our minds so that You may be the God of peace and we may rest in You. Help us to do that, Lord, in Jesus. Amen. We uh, pursue discipleship in a few ways in this church. Do we have any third to fifth graders with us today who didn't go to Florida? At least one. Good. At least, Oh, two. Excellent. We, uh, we invite these young people to go downstairs with a couple of elders or members and discuss what they've just heard and whether that makes any sense or you thought he was just full of nonsense. Um, and some people will think both Uh, and so we encourage you as you go to grow deeper into Christ and so together we say people of God what is our prayer almighty and loving God thank you for the gift of your word help us to believe what we have heard plant it deep in our hearts and live in ways that honor you above all amen go in peace to love and serve Jesus Part of our discipleship as well is uh, offering ourselves in many ways to the God who by his grace in Jesus Christ has forgiven us. And we do that in a variety of ways. We often talk about the offering here, and I will. We've got a first offering for the ministries of the church, and we have a special box out there if you want to give us an additional gift to the Calvinist Cadet Corps. But preachers like to talk about time, talent, and treasure, and I will tell you as a retired pastor that in many ways those first two are more important than the last. And we can't pay the bills without the money. But this church doesn't operate without the gift of time from so many of you. It just won't work. Uh, we have just two who went down for Echo now. They, they volunteer their time. We have musicians who will lead us in music in just a second again. And, and we can't do it without them. There are countless tasks And so we ask you for your gifts of time as well. And on the talent part, well, if you ask me to teach a preschool, it's going to be a disaster. God's given us different gifts and different talents. And so we ask for your time, but we ask you to be discerning on how God has created you and shaped you. Because when you serve in those areas, it becomes a gift not just to everyone, but yourself. The financial gifts can be given in the usual way, in the box or by mail, dropping it off during the week, using Unipay on the website. But we thank you for your gifts of time and talent, as well as your treasure. Let's stand and sing.
3: oceans rise my soul will rest in your embrace for I
0: Doesn't that encapsulate what I was just talking about? Rather than allowing worry to rule us, we say, Lord, I will call upon your name, and because of that, I'll keep my eyes above the waves, and I will rest in your embrace, because we are ours. People of God, receive the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you His peace. Amen.
1: to serve the Lord.